king. Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you, God, in your divine, sovereign, all-powerful, altogether goodness, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, but not just die for us, but to defeat death once and for all as he is risen, and this is why we are here this morning. And God, we declare that you are perfect in all your ways. Lord Jesus, be glorified this morning. Be glorified throughout this day. Be glorified in our lives forevermore, God, because you have blessed us with the gift of eternal salvation. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now it's time for grown-up Bible story time. All right. Who's going to be the star? All right. No. Yes, Jonathan. Man, it's so amazing to see um, the glory of the Lord through children and through the eyes of um, just our Savior who was born on this day. And last night at our candlelight service, we, we lit candles as a symbol of, of the light, that we want to be the light of the world that goes out into a world. And as I was thinking about what would we talk about on a Christmas morning, um, I thought about what would it mean for us to follow that light. And so, as you could probably tell already, we're going to talk about the wise men. So we're jumping in in Matthew chapter 2. By the way, it's okay if your kids are, you know, moving around and stuff like that. It doesn't bother me. It's okay. It's a family service today, all right? Um, here's what it says in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east 
or came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So we see these two characters jumping into the story. One is Herod, right? Herod the Great. There were many different Herods in the, the biblical times, but Herod the Great was the early on. Now, we don't have, obviously, pictures of them, but maybe you can imagine this being King Herod, all right? The King Herod scene from a night in Bethlehem, right? King Herod was not a good person. Terry's an awesome person. But King Herod was not a good person. He ruled from like 36 B.C. to 4 B.C., and he was just reigning in terror. He would kill his own children if he felt like they were a threat. He would kill his own wife. He, he killed 46 of people of the Sanhedrin just because they got into an argument, and he lost the argument. So how he won the argument was he just murdered 46 of them from the Sanhedrin. He ruled by fear and death. This is not the kind of king that we want to follow. We want to follow the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, right? The God that would come in the flesh and serve, right? That's the, the king that we want to follow. And then we have these other characters, the magi. Who are these people? We, we don't know exactly where these wise men came from. Most likely, they came from Persia. That's what most scholars believe, is that these wise men were Persian. Um, they came from the east, and they were following the star, right? Now, the question might come into your mind, okay, how do magi or wise men from a foreign country a long ways away know about a star and know to follow it? See, it's just a made-up story. But... I remember this Persian wise man. It actually started out as a wise man in Babylon, right? And then Babylon got conquered by Persia. Do you remember a guy named Daniel? One of the wisest of the wise men, the, the chief of the Chaldeans at that point. Um, do you remember Daniel chapter 6 when he was thrown in the lion's den? And Darius was the one who was the, the prefect over the land. He was from Persia. He was one of the Medes and Persians that had conquered the land. I wonder if they had read the writings of Daniel. I wonder if they had read something like Daniel chapter 9. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about the incredible timing of Jesus' birth based upon Daniel chapter 9. I wonder if these magis read the writings of this wise man from Babylon, this wise man from Persia, talking about the returning of a king. Maybe they had heard about um, the prophets of Israel. For example, do you remember Balaam? where he got rebuked by a donkey, right? He lived in Pethor, which is near the Euphrates, which is right on the border of Persia at this time. And did you realize in Numbers chapter 24, um, in this, these oracles that Balaam was given, he actually talked about a star. Look what it says. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. So not only are they looking for the timing from Daniel chapter 9, that sometime in this time period, someone's going to rise, a king of the Jews is going to rise out of there, but also Balaam's talking about this star, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, connecting them together. Or perhaps they read from the book of Isaiah chapter 60, right? Turn there with me if you have your Bibles. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60, because this is an incredible prophecy of Isaiah. I wonder if they had heard about this incredible prophet Isaiah. L listen to these words in Isaiah uh, chapter 60, starting in verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Woo! 
Start with a fire right there, right? The light has come, right? The light has come. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and the nations shall come to your light and the kings of the brightness of your rising. The kings are going to come to the brightness. They're going to follow the light. Could this be about the wise men? Let, let's keep reading. It says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They will gather together. They will come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. And then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and extol. Because of the abundance of the sea, you shall, turn, shall be turned to you. And the wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all of those of Sheba shall come. They will bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news and praises of the Lord. That Isaiah is prophesying that the kings were going to come, they were going to see this light, they were going to bring gold and frankincense in order to praise the king. I wonder if the Magi knew I wonder if the Magi had read. I wonder if they knew that they were going to have an opportunity to play a role in the story. Hi, sweetie. I wonder if they just knew that this was how the Lord was going to work, even through these people from a different land, right? <laughs> and then let's keep going with the story. Let's go back into Matthew chapter 3. Let's talk about Herod and these wise men. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. By the way, which prophet is this? This is Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah is the prophet that's going to be quoted here. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. Woo! This is a good verse, isn't it? How many of you have felt lowly? How many of you have felt weak or useless for the Lord? And then he says here, oh, you who feel weak, out of you is going to come a ruler to shepherd the people. Do you remember the shepherds? Remember their story? Right? We see this beautiful verse. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained to them what time the star had appeared. So we have Herod on one side of the story, scheming, spying. On the other side, we have Magi genuinely seeking the source of where is this light going to lead us. By the way, did you notice a new character came in the story? The star, right? right? The star shows up in the story. Now, when you think of the star of Bethlehem, do you think of something up in the skies, like a constellation? Because this word that's used for star here is, I think, is aster, right, is this word. It's used in a couple of different ways in the New Testament. It's used a lot of times for the heavenly bodies, like the stars, but they're used a lot about the stars in these sort of parables. Like in Matthew 24, the stars will fall from heaven, right? It's also used in the book of Revelation, the seven stars that are held in his hand are the seven angels over the seven churches. So there's an angelic part of it and a heavenly bodies part of this. Um, look, more often it's used as heavenly bodies. So it could have been a star up in the sky, just super bright that the Magi saw and were able to map it out and follow it. Or it could have been angelic, 
We don't know. I'm going to give you my opinion. I think it was an angelic light. And here's a couple of reasons that I think that. I don't know that for sure. It's just my kind of um, working out the details in my head. Here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, this star was seen by the Magi, but not particularly Herod. Right? We see in a second, the star shows up. Why didn't Herod just follow the star and go kill Jesus? He would have found out right where he was. But it seems that the Magi had a different view than many people about the star. Here's the other thing. It led them to a very specific place. Right, this star led them to a house, right? And I don't know what you think, but maybe when the shepherds were out there in the field and the glory of the Lord shone in the sky, I wonder how many people got to see that. I wonder if the whole town was lit up and they were looking around, well, what is the source of this? I wonder if something similar happened to lead the wise men to the house where Jesus was. All right, we see this in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go. And search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So a couple quick observations, right? Number one, Herod's a liar. Can we agree on that? Does Herod have any desire to go worship this newborn king? What has he done to the other kings, his own children that were next in line? He's killed. There's no truth found in him. His desire is to destroy this king, right? Here's the next thing. The star is back, and it's leading them not just in a direction, but it's leading them to a place where the child was, right? Here's the third thing. Notice that it's a child. This word for child is toddler sort of younger, beginning to wobble sort of a child. So Jesus, this is not the manger scene that we see, but the wise men came after. Most likely the star appeared when Jesus was born, and then the magi traveled to go find him, right? And based upon that time, we don't know exactly how old Jesus was when the wise men appeared, but Herod figured out two years old and younger were going to kill them. He probably gave a little bit of leeway in there to make sure that he destroyed that king, but we see that Jesus was a child, a toddler. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There it is again, right? When God shows up, there's great joy. When the angel choir showed up with the shepherds, there was good news with great joy. Here we see the wise men. The star shows up. Good news, great joy, right? Hey, what if 2023 was full of great joy? I don't know. How's 2022 been for you? Would you say this was a year of great joy or is it a year of joy in sorrow, a year of joy in trials, but consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, right? So we're looking forward to joy and celebration of Jesus. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. I just love this. I love this scene right, that the kids played out for us of worshiping, you realize that the lowly shepherds who were the, the leftovers of society worshiped him. The royalty, the kings, the educated came to worship him. What a picture of every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Everybody has purpose in the Lord, and one of those is to worship this king. 
And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And last night at, at our Christmas Eve service, someone actually asked me, so why gold and frankincense and myrrh? Like, like why these three gifts, right? Well, let me give you a couple of ideas, right? The gold, most people say the gold was given as because he was a king. Now, I think that's an interesting hypothesis, but I don't know that it's actually found in scripture anywhere that gold represents kings, right? Gold tends to represent the tabernacle. Do you remember the gold that covered the wood, covered the curse of the tabernacle? Do you remember the mercy seat? What was it made out of? Pure gold. What was the lampstand made out of? Pure gold. That this gold was pointing them back to the God of the tabernacle. That God interacting with man at the mercy seat was the same as God interacting with man at the manger. It's God stepping in the flesh. It was also an incredible picture of God's provision for them because right after this, in, in a couple verses, they're going to have to run to Egypt to escape from Herod and his horrible decree that goes out. Right? The next one is frankincense, right? And, and you might think, well, okay, that gold in the tabernacle might be a little bit of a stretch, but, but frankincense, where do we see frankincense? Let's go back. Now, maybe it's just fresh on my mind because we just went through the book of Exodus or just because this is how God works and there's a lot of just super cool connections, right? Go back to Exodus chapter 30, right? This is where we see frankincense and the purpose of um, frankincense. This is down in chapter 30, verse 34. It says, the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stack and on." Anika and Gabalam and sweet spices with pure frankincense, for each of theirs should be an equal part, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. Right? This is the incense that would be burned on the, the incense, the altar of incense inside of the holy place, meant to be our communication with God, the symbol of God's prayers to the people, that the frankincense was this incense to be before him. And in, in this chapter 30, we also see the myrrh. If you go up into verse 22, we see this myrrh appear at the top. It says, the Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and some of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 50 of cassia, and according to the shekel of the sanctuary and the hen of the olive oil. And you shall make these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. So the frankincense had to do with the prayers. The myrrh had to do with anointing. That they were going to anoint the temple. And they would throw this anointing oil on everything that was going to come into the holiness of God. They would sprinkle with this anointing oil. And we also see this myrrh show up and the anointing of Jesus. In John chapter 19, we see this anointing oil being brought to Jesus. It says, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. That this gift that was given to a baby was going to be used to anoint him even in his death. Isn't that incredible? That not only does God provide for us, but he hears our prayers. And not only does he hear our prayers, but he has given us his spirit to live in the temple of God that is here with us. So that even in our death, he is with us because he is full of eternal life. There's a star. You got to chase it. Right? She's a star. Right? 
Um, another star. Um, and so, man, we just praise the Lord for who he is today. And my question that the Lord kept putting on my heart and my mind with all this is, what am I going to bring to the Lord this year? And we're going to do something together as families here in just a second, but I want to ask you to kind of start pondering this question while you're in line to get the Lord's Supper. What are you going to give to your family? What are you going to give to the Lord this year? So partner in that question in your mind. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this picture of the wise men. Men following the star, chasing after the light of the world. Lord, help us to chase after you. You are the light of the world. Lord, you are the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and we just want to celebrate you. Thank you, Lord, for coming as a baby, being born in Bethlehem, the king of the Jews. And Lord, that very same title will be put above you on the cross. Lord, thank you for the life you lived and the death you died for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. So together as a church, we want to finish today with just celebrating um, the Lord's Supper. Last night we talked about becoming the light of the world. Today we want to talk about what it means for what Christ has done. Because this baby grew up, right? And this baby grew up to say these, these words in uh, Luke chapter 22, right? To be able to tell them that I am the bread broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That this cup represents my blood, which is poured out for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so we're going to invite you up as a family to, to come up and to grab the elements and to come back to your seat. And just want to invite you to pray together. To, to think about what you want to give to your family this year. What you want to give to the Lord and pray about those things together. And then at the very end, we'll take it all together as one big family of God and do that. So let me give you some instructions. So if you're on this side over here, if you could go towards the wall... And then come this way and then go up that aisle. Okay, if you guys don't mind kind of coming to the middle, coming down, that way you can kind of choose either direction to kind of go and flow back up the middle aisles. All right? Good luck. Okay, so <laughs> you guys will kind of come together and kind of flow down. You can flow either side with there. And this side, go to the wall and kind of flow back up as well. And you guys in the middle, just going to have to do your best to figure it out. Y'all are awesome. Go middle team. All right. So um, if you guys don't mind staying up together, we're going to come down and grab the elements.
All right, if you could just, uh, Grammy, grab hands with your family and just pray together with your families. Um, thanking the Lord for um, coming as a child, thanking him for this Christmas. Jesus, I thank you for family. Lord, I thank you for each family here and pray a blessing over them that you will bring them together in the spirit of God and help them, Lord, to have unity and joy inside of their families. Lord, I thank you for this family, the family of God that is gathered here today, the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to go into the world and be an example, a light into the world, to be wise and to to be crafty as we go out and share the gospel message to the world. Pray this in your name. Amen. So if you would take the bread as we remember the body of Christ, which came as a baby, but also was broken for us. We do this in remembrance of him. And then if you'll take the drink, remember the body and the blood that was spilt for us. We do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you. I guess we couldn't say it enough. Thank you for coming into this world. We celebrate you today. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Glory to God in the highest. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for coming today and celebrating with us the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. I just have a short announcement for those of uh, you guys who are thinking of coming next Sunday, which is New Year's Day. It will be a whole new year. Uh, we are having normal service. It won't just be one service. Uh, we will have all three services and back to normal in the new year. Thank you very much for coming to celebrate. Thank you for celebrating the biggest miracle ever happening in the world, and that's the birth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God bless you and Merry Christmas.